Well, hello, and welcome back. This is TJ from com. I know, it's been a very long time. It's been at least two, two and a half months. Uh, I'd still like to remind you to head on over to www.aquariumtiptank.com and take a look at all of the latest tips and tricks to relaxing and enjoying your home aquarium. I know it's been a while. The latest tips uh, have not been updated recently. Uh, they will be. I can say that. Uh, listen to this podcast. I've got a few things coming out soon. I've got a few YouTube videos going up. Um, you know, I've got to say thank you. Uh, there have been so many people that have um, logged in, said hello on Facebook, said hello on Twitter, um, you know, checked out the uh, the newsletter that hasn't been going out. And it's been far too long uh, since I've stepped into the Tip Tank studio put up a video on YouTube or published a new story over at the website, and yet the support just keeps rolling in. So we love you guys very much for listening, reading, and viewing what we have to offer here at Aquarium Tip Tank. Uh, you know, and that's whether you found us at the website, on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, or Pinterest. Thank you very much for taking some time to listen and look at our tips for your home aquarium and tropical fish tank. Uh, we thank you for the ratings and reviews and hope that you please keep them coming so that we can understand where you're at with your home aquarium and what you'd like to see, hear, and read from us. On that note, um, I've got to give a shout out to Adam Pooley. I hope I'm saying your name correctly. And he's of Melbourne, Australia. That's right. Adam found us all the way from Australia. In fact, he writes, and I quote, I am from Melbourne, Australia, so your word is reaching me here. Uh, that is absolutely awesome. Uh, he gave me a little tip to record my voice at a higher level so that the volume doesn't have to be cranked in order to hear what I'm saying. Hopefully that tip has paid off for this episode of Aquarium Tip of the Aquarium Tip Tank podcast. Um, We'll see. Hopefully it works and it's not too muddled and crazy or anything like that with the way that I'm actually uh, recording it. Uh, if, I'll give it a listen back. I'll listen to it myself and hopefully everything comes out all right and I can, uh, you know, figure out and make sure that everything sounds good for you guys. Uh, Adam also sent me a few pictures of his 40-liter or 10-gallon freshwater aquarium. One of them can be found in the show notes for this podcast on the webpage at www.aquariumtiptank.com forward slash ATT podcast 016. Okay, here's a little tank update from me. In the last episode of Aquarium Tip of the Aquarium Tip Tank podcast, I talked about the first couple of fish that I stocked my 30-gallon saltwater tank with. Well, since then, I've added a few fish. I have encountered a few problems, and we will get into that. I've also added a few automatic maintenance systems and filtration systems. In this episode, I'm going to tell you all about my tank updates and make sure that I share the good, the bad, and the ugly. Hopefully, everybody can learn from both the things that went well and the things that did not go so well. Okay, uh, so the last episode was released on November 13th of 2012. Yes, that was over two months ago, and again, I 
sincerely apologize. It was also just before the start of the holiday season. Over here in the States, we celebrated our Thanksgiving holiday nine days later on November 22nd. A little over a month later was Christmas and, of course, leading into New Year's. These aren't just excuses as to why uh, little has been done at Aquarium Tank in the last two months. There were also systems that I needed to set up before I took some time away from my tanks to travel and visit family and friends over the holidays. I needed a way to make sure that my fish, shrimp, corals, and snails were fed regularly. I needed a way to make sure that the RODI fresh water was being added on a regular basis to top up the water lost from evaporation. And of course, it was Christmas time, and maybe something just needed to be added to the tank. The first thing to be ordered was the Ahim Everyday Fish Feeder. That's Ahim, E-H-E-I-M, Everyday Fish Feeder. The Ahim Everyday Fish Feeder holds 100 milliliters or 3.3 fluid ounces of all types of flake and or pellet fish food. It has a digital LCD display that makes it super easy to read and program up to eight feedings a day. The universal, the universal installation clamp, you guessed it, you can install it on any type of tank. The manual feed button allows you to feed outside the pre-programmed feeding times. There is an integrated fan and ventilation system to keep food dry. The desired food portions can be set and batteries are included. It looks like it only costs about $26 right now, and you can find it at www.aquariumtiptank.com forward slash Ahim Feeder Amazon. I think I paid about $30 for mine at the end of November. I set mine up about a week before Christmas and have been using it to feed my, my fish small, slow-sinking pellets once a day. It's always good practice to set these types of automated systems up at least a week before you leave for vacation and make sure that they're working properly. It would be pretty terrible to come home from a four-day vacation to find the entire feeder mechanism and all buried in the sand at the bottom of your tank because you set it up quickly an hour before you left home. It would also be terrible. There's a little kind of slot feeder on this thing, and that's sort of how you adjust the portions is there's an opening uh, where the pellets or the flake food will spill out. And you can adjust that opening basically by moving the kind of window or door either um, so that the that window is closed more or that that window is open. Of course, the more open the window is, the more food falls in. So it would be terrible to go ahead and set this thing up and not test it out. And then by the time you get back, you have way overfed your fish. There's tons of flakes and food left in, in your tank. And now you've got to go in and siphon it all out and make sure that you haven't uh, ruined your water quality and all, and all of your water parameters because there's too much dead decomposing food that is left in the tank. Uh, that would just stink. So you kind of need to set it up and test it out and make sure that everything is going okay uh, a little while before you actually leave uh, and use these things for a while. So next came all of the components necessary for an RODI freshwater auto top-off system. The auto top-off system is working out to be one of the best things I've done for my 30-gallon saltwater aquarium. There are four components that you'll need to set it up, but together, 
all of the components and the entire auto top off system only ended up costing me about 65 US dollars and could probably be done cheaper. The four components I use for the auto top off system are a Tom aquarium aqualifter pump with a holder and that's only about $16, some elite soft airline tubing 20 feet for $9, a digital aquatics float switch kit with a mount a reservoir slash bucket slash container for the RODI fresh water that is going to be added to the tank. So what ways could you make it cheaper? Well, you may not need to purchase the $9 holder for the Tom Aquarium Aqualifter pump. You may not need to purchase the entire $25 float switch kit with mount. Purchase a $5 float switch kit and figure out your own way of mounting it and getting it to work on your tank. Of course, that $20 you save may just go straight into your your do-it-yourself mount. Maybe you don't have to purchase airline tubing because you already have some. Also, you probably won't need all 20 feet of airline tubing for this one system. So that $9 purchase actually goes a whole lot further than just into your uh, auto top-off system. Maybe you don't have to spend 5 to $10 on an RODI freshwater reservoir. I didn't. I already had a 5-gallon container that I now use as my freshwater reservoir. So where can you get all of these components? Well, head on over to www.aquariumtiptank.com forward slash Tom Aqualifter Amazon for the Tom Aquarium Aqualifter Pump. And I'll bet that the Tom Aquarium Aqualifter Pump holder and the airline tubing pop up in the frequently bought together section. You can get the Digital Aquatics Float Switch Kit at www.aquariumtiptank.com forward slash DA Float Switch Kit Amazon. I will also include these links that I mentioned here and others in the show notes post over at www.aquariumtiptank.com forward slash attpodcast016. Or you can always head over to amazon.com, other aquarium supply websites and your local fish store and search for these things on your own. So one of the questions might be, well, how do you set up the auto top off system? Well, be on the lookout over at the aquarium tip tank website and or our YouTube channel for a more in-depth video going over the auto top off system setup. I think that's probably the best way to go over it is to show you things that I do. But, um, here is a general guide or a general way of how I did it. The thing is, you might I can speak all these things out, but if you can't see it, you might not really understand kind of what I'm talking about. First, you'll probably want to get a general feel for where you're going to place your Tom Aquarium Aqualifter pump, how and where you're going to mount your float switch, etc., this will help you figure out how much tubing you're going to need and how your wires are going to be routed. Then you're going to have to wire the float switch into the power cable of the Tom Aquarium Aqualifter pump. You'll have to split the pump's power cable, cut one of the wires you, know, you just split up, strip the two ends of the wire that you just cut, and attach the ends of the two float switch wires to the ends of the power cable wires that you now have. Just a quick safety note, please, please, please 
Make sure that nothing is plugged in and turned on when you do this. This is why it's a lot easier to show you these things than to explain them. Please make sure that nothing is turned on and plugged in when you do these things. You do not want to risk electrical shock. If they're not plugged in there's no power going to them, you should be perfectly fine. However, make sure that they are not plugged in and turned on. Maybe I'll throw a picture of the final product up in the show notes post of the website so that you can see kind of what I'm talking about with how this thing is kind of wired together. You could buy a pump controller or relay if you're worried about doing the electrical work. However, it's a little bit more expensive and not absolutely necessary. Some of those uh, pump controllers are pretty cool, though. Like you might be able to program them on the fly and turn them on and off from your iPhone and things like that. You're just talking about spending a whole lot more money, though. But if that's what you want to do and you have the money to spend, by all means, go ahead and get one of those uh, pump controllers or relays. Um this electrical wiring work is actually fairly straightforward and not too difficult as long as you're careful and nothing is plugged in and everything is powered off. When you're done with the wiring, you'll probably want to mount the pump and float switch in your sump or on your tank. You can fine-tune your float switch level at a later time. Place your RODI freshwater reservoir where you'll think you want it. Empty may be easier for you now in case you want to adjust the reservoir location or fill it up if you want. It'll just be heavier and harder to move around. Uh, run a piece of tubing from your RODI freshwater reservoir to the intake or suction port of the Tom Aquarium Aqualifter pump. Make sure that the tubing will be long enough to reach the bottom of your water reservoir and make sure that your reservoir is where you want it. You can move your water reservoir later, but if you put it further away, then you might need more tubing. I'll run another piece of tubing from the output port of the Tom Aquarium Aqualifter pump to your tank or sump that you want to fill. This should probably be the tank slash sump slash overflow box where your float switch is actually located. You'll pretty much want to fill up the reservoir that your float switch is in. I'll get into why here in a minute. Um, and then next, make sure that there is now water in the RODI freshwater reservoir. And plug in the Tom Aquarium Aqualifter pump and make sure that you test it. So let's get into how the auto top-off system works. When your tank or sump is full of water or at your desired maximum water level, the float part of the float switch should be floating in the middle or top of the switch. In this state, the circuit is switched open and the power is not able to flow through the open switch to turn the aqualifter pump on. So then water evaporates and the float starts sinking uh, with, the water with, with the dropping water level in your tank. And when the float reaches the bottom of the switch, or possibly very close to it, mine doesn't actually reach the very bottom and rest on the very bottom before it turns the pump on, but when it reaches close to the bottom of the switch, the circuit is switched closed, and the power is now able to flow through the closed and complete circuit to, the, to turn on the Tom Aquarium Aqualifter pump. 
With the circuit closed and the aqualifter pump turned on, water is now pumped from the RODI freshwater reservoir into the intake port of the pump and out the output port of the pump to the tank or sump that you want to fill up. As the tank or sump is filled, the float of the float of the float switch rises with the water level. When the float gets back to the middle or the top of the switch, the circuit is forced back into an open state so that the power is again cut off from the aqualifter pump. The pump turns off and the water stops flowing. So, some cautions. Uh, remember when I said a few minutes ago that the output tubing from the aqualifter pump should probably be placed in the same tank as the float switch? Well, let's say you don't do that. Let's say you decide that you want to fill your main tank, but your float switch is in your sump. Something gets clogged. The water doesn't reach the sump. Admittedly, you'll probably have more problems than just this, but now the water isn't reaching the part of your system with the float to turn off the aquarium, the aqualifter pump. The aqualifter pump stays on because the float isn't floating to open the power circuit and shut it off, and you have a massive overflow onto your nice carpet and floors. On a similar note, you may want to secure that output tubing somehow. It would really pretty much stink if it got knocked loose and out of the tank that you're trying to fill so that it just leaked all over your floors or electrical equipment. Also, once again, if it gets knocked out and isn't actually filling the reservoir that you have the float in, it will just keep running. And it will keep running until you notice it. And again, it will get all over your floors or electrical equipment. So you might uh, want to secure that output tubing somehow so that it doesn't get knocked out or away from the, uh, the, the tank or the you know, reservoir or the sump that you're trying to fill. Uh, you'll also probably want to clean up your float and float switch every once in a while. Also, watch out for snails getting on it. Basically, you don't want the float to get stuck at the bottom of the switch, keeping the circuit closed and the pump on. This could cause an overflow. I think there are some aquarium float switches available that have a sort of PVC guard around them if you're worried about your snails and your critters getting up on there. Uh, the Tom Aquarium Aqualifter Pump is also only rated at 3.5 gallons per hour, up to 30 inches of height. This may be a problem if you don't have a sump on the floor and your system is an entire hang-on-back system like mine is. A lot of times, the top of the main display tank of an aquarium system is a lot higher off the ground than 30 inches. The ground is also generally where everybody wants to have the bottom of their RODI freshwater reservoir. So, it might that the aquarium, the aqualifter pump, might not actually be rated to pump the water from the bottom of your reservoir all the way up to the top of your main display, display tank and into your main display tank. However, a solution to this is to maybe build a stand or figure out a way to get the bottom of your freshwater reservoir within that 30 inches. Or just don't worry about it and you either won't get 3.5 gallons per hour out of the pump, the pump may not last as long as it should, or both. I'll admit, 
mine is a little over 30 inches from the bottom of my freshwater reservoir. I'm not really worried about the 3.5 gallons per hour. I don't think water evaporates from my 30-gallon tank at 3.5 gallons per hour, so all I need is just a slow trickle to keep up with the evaporation anyway. The pump also only costs about $16. If the pump only lasts one year instead of three, then I'll need to spend another $16 to get a new one a little sooner than expected. If it lasts much shorter time than that, I guess I'll have to deal with making a stand for my freshwater reservoir when that time comes. Okay, I feel like I've covered the auto top-off system uh, in enough detail for this podcast, uh, especially since I'm planning on also putting out a video about it all. So all of this will also be explained in the video, and you'll get a little bit better uh, idea of how I uh, set this thing up. I also had a request from somebody to talk a little bit more about freshwater systems. Well, believe me, you also need to top off your freshwater system. Water evaporates from that system. So, if you want to top off your freshwater system, here's also an easy way to set up an auto top-off system. So, this, you know, not just about salt water here, also about fresh water, and you can, you know, set it up exactly the same way. Okay, so I've also added a fish. Unfortunately, there have also been some problems since adding that fish. I talked extensively about wanting to put a Coral Beauty angelfish uh, into our tank in Aquarium Tip Tank Podcast 15. That Coral Beauty angelfish was added to my 30-gallon saltwater aquarium about a week before leaving and visiting my in-laws for Christmas. The problems that I've had are things that I just can't quite explain. Everything was going great for the first two weeks. The coral beauty was acclimated properly. He seemed to be getting used to his new home and his new friends. The six-line wrasse and two clownfish didn't seem to have a problem with him. They were all acting the same way that they were acting before the coral beauty angelfish got in there. And they were going about their usual routine and knew where all of their normal hiding spots were. Uh, we even went away for five days to visit the in-laws for Christmas, allowed the Ahim Everyday Fish Feeder and the RODI Freshwater Auto Top-Off System to do everything for us while we were gone. We came back home and everything was perfect. Everything was running exactly how I left it. All of the fish were still alive and well. All of the water parameters were great and everything seemed healthy and happy. Yes, of course, the glass walls of the tank had a little bit of algae buildup on them, but nothing terrible and nothing out of, out of the ordinary, really. Then, a few days after uh, we arrived back home, I couldn't find one of the clownfish. I searched under all of the live rock, in all of the crevices, behind all of the equipment, everywhere. Finally, I decided to go ahead and give the protein skimmer a more extensive cleaning than usual. I always dump out and clean up the collection cup every few days, but only shut the whole thing down, clean out the pumps, tubing, and air injector once every couple of months. Once every month, maybe every couple of months. Lo and behold, I found half of a clownfish body in the intake of the pump for the protein skimmer. Uh, this is very unfortunate. My wife and I were very sad. Uh, we just lost one of our pets and our friends. However, let me take the time to reiterate that this is why 
we, as aquarium hobbyists, should always try to purchase tank bread and sustainable livestock. Uh, for the freshwater trade, uh, it, by law, at least in the U.S., by law, everything has to be Nothing can be wild caught that you keep in your home aquarium. Everything must be bred or tank bred. Uh, that is just the way that the law works um, because of the fact that they have found ways to breed freshwater fish. Almost Just about all of the freshwater fish that are out there, unless there's a new species being found here and there, can be, can, can be tank bred. So if you have a freshwater tank, please know that you better be buying tank bred livestock. If you have a saltwater aquarium, please try your best to buy those fish that might be tank bred. And if not, make sure that it is a very sustainable type of fish or that you have a very good way of keeping them alive because you just never know exactly how fish are going to cooperate with each other or how they're going to do in their new home. I really don't know what happened. I did a water change before we left to go out of town. I checked all of my water parameters again. Then I did it again. Everything seemed stable and optimal. The fish had been fed on a regular basis, and they had lived with each each other for two to two and a half weeks and seemed to be getting along. A week later, after I lost the, the one clownfish, I couldn't find the six-line wrasse. I still haven't found the six-line wrasse. Again, I've looked everywhere. I've moved all of the rocks around, checking under and around all of them to see if he was hiding somewhere. I've performed three water changes in the last month and still no sign of him. My only thought is that maybe, possibly, the coral beauty ended up stressing the clownfish and the six-line wrasse too much. The coral beauty is a dwarf angelfish, and all types of angelfish are supposed to be a little bit aggressive. However, all research and all books and all websites and all fish stores always say that the Coral Beauty usually does well in a 30-gallon tank and with other tank mates. There were no signs of disease or stress when I looked at, observed, and enjoyed my fish. There were no spots or lesions on the fish, and they didn't seem stressed or acting differently. I really can't explain it, other than maybe that the Coral Beauty was a little more aggressive than Coral Beauties normally are. I'll admit, the coral beauty hides behind the rocks whenever I'm sitting right in front of the tank, but whenever I lean back a little or stand a little further away, he seems to come out and swim around the tank and enjoy his home without bothering the other fish. Maybe when I'm not right there or looking, he actually was bothering the other fish while he got acquainted to his new home. I don't know, and I'll admit that I'm a bit baffled. It has now been almost a month, since any fish have been lost, and the coral beauty and remaining clownfish seem to be doing just fine. I do want another fish. I think I may get another tank-bred clownfish to keep the remaining clownfish company. I was hoping that I would have a clownfish pair, and maybe the two would mate. This usually doesn't work out very well if they are different types of clownfish or one clownfish is from the wild. Uh, one will end up sometimes fighting for its space and become aggressive and defend its home. However, tank-bred clownfish are used to being in tanks with other clownfish, sharing their home, mating, being, being around other fish, and living in an aquarium environment. So, 
Hopefully, if I go out and get another clown, tank bread clownfish uh, that's approximately the same size, uh, the two clownfish that I will have will hopefully get along and be okay in a, in a somewhat large 30-gallon tank for them. So, unfortunately, I, I have lost a few fish, but everything really seems to be going just fine now. All the water parameters are fine, which is odd. You know, as soon as you lose a fish, you should try and do a few water changes because if that, if you, especially if you can't find that fish, like I couldn't find my six-line wrasse, because it could just be decomposing in there somewhere. And you don't want it to ruin all of your water parameters. So do a few water changes, check all your sponges, check all your filters, check your protein skimmer. I checked the protein skimmer for the six line wrasse. It wasn't in there that I found. Um, you know, I just can't find it, but make sure you keep testing your water parameters and keep doing water changes and make sure that everything is going all right. And everything seems to be going all right now. So that's good. Maybe by the time I come back next time, I'll have another tank bread clownfish. We'll see. So, to sum everything up, set up those automatic aquarium systems. Not only will you not worry while you're away from your aquarium for a few days, but you'll also have less to do when you're home. The less time you have to spend feeding your fish because you have an automatic fish feeder and the less time you spend checking water levels and filling your tank with top-off water means more time for you to just sit back and enjoy your fish. The Heme Everyday Fish Feeder, the Tom Aquarium Aqualift Pump, some tubing, a float switch, and a water container aren't very expensive. They're all very easy to set up, and in fact, the time that you take to set them up will be saved in exponential increments for years to come. Maybe, if I had these systems set up earlier, I could have spent more time observing my fish to make sure that they were all getting along and I wouldn't have lost a tank-bred clownfish in a six-line wrasse. Losing a fish, a pet, a friend is always unfortunate and sad. But please realize that it does happen, and it happens to the best of us. It happens to the most experienced and inexperienced aquarium hobbyists. Sometimes you're not sure exactly what one particular fish's temperament will be. You know, you can read all everything and do all the research and figure out that that fish type should be perfectly fine in your tank. But maybe that one fish is a little bit different than, than all of the other fish that are angelfish or all of the other fish that should get along together. You just never know. But because this does happen to the best of us, again, please try to purchase tank bread and or sustainable aquarium fish. So head on over to www.aquariumtiptank.com forward slash ATT podcast 016 to check out the post and the show notes for this podcast episode. I'll have all the links there and those uh, pictures up that I said I would put in put into this uh, put into those show notes. There's always a lot more to come at aquariumtiptank.com. Maybe I'll have a few more videos out there in the next few weeks. Hopefully I will and, and there will be a few more posts up at the website. Also, as always, please get in touch with us in any way that you wish. We love hearing from fellow aquarium hobbyists. 
There are so many ways to get in touch with us. You can email us at tj at aquariumtiptank.com or support at aquariumtiptank.com. You can get in touch with us at Facebook. Say hello at facebook.com forward slash aquariumtiptank. YouTube, um, we, you know, view our videos, leave comments, ask questions, leave some reviews for us wherever you can, please. Uh, we would love to know what you think of things and how things are going. Uh, our YouTube uh, channel is www.aquariumtiptank.com forward slash YouTube. Of course, Twitter, and that's at Aquarium Tip Tank. The website itself, and send your questions in Aquarium Breakthroughs, and we'll give you a shout-out on the podcast. Thank you so very much for listening. Go ahead and tell us how your aquarium is go- coming along at AquariumTipTank.com. And we'll be back with more aquarium tips. Hopefully this time it will actually be in about two weeks.